Stephen's traveling for work and Ryan has some court-ordered community service this week, so we've got a different type of an episode for you. Uh, this past Friday, October 21st, was the St. Louis Bourbon Festival. Uh, this is organized by the St. Louis Bourbon Society, and if you're not already familiar with it, you need to understand that this is not some little bourbon group get-together. This is 1,800 plus people coming together for this event. Uh, this is a literal who's who of high-profile presenters flying in to participate in this five-hour event. Uh, in fact, there were so many high-profile people there that I'm letting some of their names just scroll through right now. But in any case, I was lucky enough to get behind-the-scenes access for the entire event, which was just an awesome experience. I had the chance to have a quick one-on-one -on -one conversation with a bunch of really cool folks, uh, but I want to share with you part of the conversation that I had with Fred Minnick and then Brian Smith, the master distiller for Hard Truth Distilling. Both really great guys. Um, in fact, they're both so great that I, I kind of regret that they're so cool. Um, because they're big name people, I kind of wanted to dislike them, but I just couldn't. They were great folks. Uh, I asked them both the same exact question, and I got very different answers. I asked them both what they feel is the biggest issue in the bourbon market today, if there's any. It really struck me that the answers they gave me were so different, but it makes sense coming from their own individual perspectives. So for those of you watching, uh, I apologize for the poor video quality, and if I want to be honest, the poor audio quality. But I do need you to understand the setting in which this was recorded, and the fact that I just wanted to make the best use of my time with them. Uh, so please watch, enjoy, and I'd love to hear your feedback. All right, so I'm here with, uh, is it Michael Veach? No, I'm just kidding. Michael's my good friend. <laughs> I love Michael. He's a great dude. I wish, I wish he was here. He's part of the St. Louis Bourbon Society, and like he's a member that posts regularly. He's an awesome dude. Seems like it. I've special, never met him in person. Special guy, yeah. But Fred, you are the name. Let's be honest here. You're the name. Eh, I don't know about that. The, the name if you want to get egged and, uh, you, know, you know, things like that. I think I think anybody who says bad things about you is jealous. If I'm being completely honest, your success has been phenomenal, and it's been warranted. Okay, you are like to me, you are part of the boom that has occurred in bourbon over the last seven years. Okay, well, that's kind of you. Uh, I, I would say like I, I don't I don't think of myself like that. I really don't. Uh, I just just do what I love, you know. Which it's. It, I'm the luckiest guy in the world, you know, like I, I love covering the space and I love introducing people to it and I love educating people about the true history of bourbon and, uh, and, and tasting. And, you know, some time ago I was very nervous about, you know, talking to people about how I got into it, like as a taster, um, but that kind of, that fear kind of went away. And I, I'm proud of it. Yeah. So. so, if I can ask, what are some of the problems that you see in the bourbon community, specifically yeah. in conjunction with the boom that has occurred over the last couple of years? Well, there's a few different places that you can go. One is one is the trade. Uh, the trade is like, of course, how things are bought and sold. Um, you know how it's made and how it's sold. The greatest problem that I see in everything is that we are not properly protecting what bourbon is. And bourbon is a unique product of the United States. 
and we are not respecting our own definition of what is bourbon. And we're allowing bourbons uh, to go through uh, barrel finishes, which that's fine. I love barrel finished products. I love them. But the name bourbon should not be on the label. Um, uh, we're, we're allowing, uh, in big bold letters, the word bourbon to be on the front of a label when it's a blend of straights, uh, which can have additives to it. And if you don't protect what is bourbon in your homeland, then you will lose your argument in the world courts when Switzerland, Sweden, Brazil, Argentina, Israel, whatever country you want to choose, is making bourbon. And there are other countries that are making bourbon, putting it on the label, and at some point, someone's going to come up with the argument that you're not protecting your own name of bourbon in your own house. Why should we respect what your legal definition is when you don't respect it in your own country? And I've, I've seen it happen in Rome. Uh, I've seen it happen in other spirits. It's, it's, very, it's a very dangerous, slippery slope that people um, they just want to make money. And so they, they're following a trend. Call those things whiskey, call them whatever you want. But I feel like we should be more protective of what the term bourbon is. So, so do you put more of the most of the blame on that on companies or the TTB or a mixture of both? Um, the TTB, so the TTB is a, a regulatory body that is making decisions with with the parameters they have, mm -hmm. and they are there. You hear the term like um, you know finding a loophole. Mm -hmm. There've been a lot of loopholes. And the TTBs kind of like, to me, they don't have the budget, the, the manpower mm -hmm. to make the right decisions. I don't blame the TTB at all, actually. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I look at them as like, they're doing the best they can with what they have. Five people are approving like, you know, 30,000 alcohol leaders. Right, right. You know, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I look at more of like people trying to find loopholes to create something that's different for their own branding. And it's dangerous. And when when uh, when they were testifying before Congress in the early 1980s, they predicted this. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's in some of my books. But this stuff was predicted in the early 1980s that brands would take advantage of um, the loopholes within the system when the government got their hands out of regulating the whiskey world. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone keeps texting me. I think I'm late for something. Okay, hold on. No, I'm all right. It's just my fantasy football league. Oh, okay. How, how's your fantasy football league? Oh, you know, right now I'm losing in one, winning in another, and I'm in another league uh, called Guillotine Leagues by uh, Paul Chargian. I'm doing all right there. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Fred, I appreciate your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And um, we're both drinking non-whiskey products right now, but cheers nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here we are. Just finished a fantastic uh, presentation with Hard Truth. I want to know from you, what is, in your opinion, the biggest issue in bourbon today? Well, if any, so, if any, yeah, right? sure. So from my perspective, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm constantly... Um, 
working with the supply chain. Uh, so to, to constantly make make sure our our we're going to have we're going to have enough whiskey to provide to the people you know in years to come. Um, right now, if, if you've seen all the news headlines about um, you know all these expansions from all the big guys and the little guys and everybody's adding hundreds of millions if not billions of capacity um, and what that's doing is putting a lot of pressure on uh, the barrel supply the actual barrel supply um, and then also you know there's a big restriction for people who are used to buying sourced whiskey uh, there's a big restriction on that so with all this boom it's great but there's a lot of growing pains going on um, and so you know really as a as a producer and as a distiller you know navigating how we how we you know, get what we need to make the whiskey we need to make is a constant challenge. So, you know, it's kind of a little bit different angle, but that's what I'm, I'm kind of facing. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Um, so I remember, are you are you friends with um, Adam Stump from Stumpy's Spice Notes? You know, I've met him through uh, through somebody, but I, I mean, just just virtually. I've not okay. actually met him. Yeah. So he was telling me recently that Brown Foreman offered to buy the entire future supply of a cooperage for like the next five years. Does not surprise me one bit. And I had, so until he told me that and until you just mentioned what you did, it didn't even click in my brain how big of an issue that's becoming for Well, so if you think about, you know, the, the, they, the coopers and the, the people who manufacture barrels, you know, they build up to a, to a demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever something so explosive happens like, I mean, the bourbon industry has been exploding for a good 10 plus years, yeah. but really in the last two to three years, all these announcements of all this you know, growth is really um, putting a lot of pressure on some of the, the, yeah. the you know, supplies we need. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. And then I guess my last question is, what are your thoughts on moonshiners? Ah, great question. So, you know, I've got to, I'll take, can I share a good story with you? Yeah. So my great grandfather on my mom's side, um, was a moonshiner in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. Um, and he had nine kids, eight of which were boys. And my grandfather was one of those boys. So my grandfather at the age of, so they would, he would, he would take boys um, once they reached about seven or eight years old. And they'd go all out and, and at night and run the still and then run all the whiskey back um, so that they could go sell it. So my grandfather at some point in time went to some tent revival and, and found the Lord and uh, and so he would. My grandpa would tell me stories about standing outside from the still where all his brothers and his dad were making whiskey, and he had his Bible and he was preaching the word of God to them, uh, trying to trying to help help them to uh, change their bad ways. But then my great grandfather fell off one of the wagons that they were carrying and uh, lost his leg. Oh shit! So yeah. So then he was a one-legged moonshiner. Pretty cool. So I guess I do have some cool cool. Uh, Cool pictures. I, I didn't. I didn't get to spend any time with my great grandfather, yeah. but my grandpa told me the stories, and so he kind of got a kick out of it once I started making yeah. whiskey to kind of connect those. Things. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, hey, thanks for having the chat, and yeah, uh, you, keep doing what you're doing because you're. I'm, I'm not shitting you. Like your product is one of my favorites. Oh, thanks, uh, man. One of the things that I always say to bourbon drinkers is like who shy away from rye is my personal beliefs are you start to appreciate rye once you've graduated from bourbon. Rye is more complex. It, it, it takes more, it's way more complex. It's got more layers to it. Uh, I'm not trying to trash bourbon in any sure. way, shape, or form. It's just that rye is 
a more complex spirit. Well, you know, I think it, at one time in the history of, of whiskey, you know, rye whiskey was really a bottom shelf spirit. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was treated with the same respect. Um, because, and, and I think the people who were producing it weren't really, they didn't think they could have a premium audience for it. Yeah. So it was just kind of a commodity spirit. Yeah. Well, you know, that's fine, but if you really treat rye um, with, with a lot of respect from a you know, fermentation and mashing fermentation and distillation side, I mean, you can coax some incredible flavors out of rye. Mm -hmm. Our sweet mashed rye whiskey um, has an incredible sweetness, and we don't, we don't have any corn in our mash bill one. Um, and yet it's an incredibly sweet whiskey. So right. sometimes that, that kind of blows people's minds. And I, I really honestly wasn't necessarily expecting that. I'd love to tell you that I, I'm, I set out to create this you know, big, sweet profile. Yeah. It's just what, the, it's what our system and what our process gave us. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing what you're doing. And thanks for taking a couple minutes to talk with me. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. You know, I'm here at the St. Louis Bourbon Festival, and there's supposed to be all these notable people here, and I just haven't seen any. Have you seen any? Know where I can find so, them? So some cop came and, like, arrested a bunch of people and, like, took them off. Apparently they were all in a brothel. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, thanks for the info. I guess I'll stop looking. <laughs>